0: Welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful, purpose-driven people, companies, and organizations. I'm your host, Aaron Quitkin. The Amazon rainforest is a treasured ecosystem renowned for its majestic beauty and unparalleled biodiversity. In it grows some of the most unique plants and species on our planet. With the goal of creating a better planet, my guest today, Chief of Sustainability at Amar Mayu, and I did not say that right, but Jorge will obviously correct me. His name is Jorge Lopez Doriga. He's established a sustainable pathway to protect the Earth's most precious ecosystem. Born in the heart of the Amazon jungle, this movement was created in 2020 to protect the Amazon from rainforest deforestation and empower its guardians through the commercialization of Amazonian super fruit juices. The Baruti and the Camu Camu Super Juices, which I know that Jorge will take us through and also let us know how we can get our hands on some of those delicious, incredible products that not only come from the Amazon, but also help support it and its future. Jorge, welcome to Brand on Purpose. Thank you so much, Aaron. I'm so sorry for butchering the name of your organization. So why don't you say it right (laughs) for our listeners?
1: Uh No, you did it very well. It's actually Amaru Mayu. It's Quechua. Amaru Mayu.
0: Now I said it right. Amaru Mayu. We talked a little bit off air. Tell me or tell our listeners the story behind the name. And then while you're at it, you founded this organization at the peak of and in the midst of a global pandemic, which we've had a few other guests as well venture out at the same time, but a little bit behind the significance of the name, the purpose, the mission behind the organization, and why you launched it in 2020.
1: See, this is about the Amazon. And it's about Trying to conserve the Amazon. And of course, the interesting thing is that the name Amazon is a Greek name. Orellana, I'm from Spain actually, so it's one of my ancestors. When he went through the Amazon River, he was greeted by these ladies, these Amazonian with arrows and spears. So he said, Ah, this is the river of the Amazons, the women warriors. And he called it the Amazon. But that's a Greek name. The original name. Of course, it has many names, every community will call it something else, but in Quechua, that is the language of the Incas, they built this huge empire, it is Amaru Mayu. It's the river serpent. Amaru means serpent, and Mayu means river. So it's actually the river of life, or the river of wisdom, because the serpent in many, many civilizations represents wisdom. That's why, for example, in the pharmacy, you have the two snakes crossing, Or even in the Bible, who gives Eve the fruit of knowledge from the tree of knowledge, a serpent.
0: You started this organization about a year ago?
1: Actually, the organization started five years ago. Okay. This organization is born in Peru. Peru is the second country with more Amazon jungle in the world after Brazil. We decided to start it because it's a Peruvian company born from a big Peruvian company that it has present in over 20 countries. And with that mission, receiving the call from Mother Earth to protect the most crucial part of the planet if we want to fight against the two biggest menaces that we have. We have two major menaces. Next week, we have the famous COP26, the Global Forum for Climate Change that is happening in the United Kingdom. And the second is the loss of biodiversity. So two of the major reasons we are... Getting this planet into danger is because of climate change and because of the loss of biodiversity. One million species is being extinct. We are all hearing about how insects are disappearing, how the bees are disappearing, apart from all the other species. And this, of course, is going to put humanity at risk. 30% of the carbon deposits of the planet are in the Amazon jungle. 25% 25% of the species of the planet, most of them yet not discovered, are in the Amazon jungle. 20% of the oxygen of the planet is in the Amazon jungle. 25% of the drinking water of the planet is in the Amazon jungle. So if we want to preserve this planet, we need to protect the Amazon. Being a Peruvian company, we decided to jump into this call, And that was five years ago. What happened is that only two years ago, we started producing a drink, but it took this time to talk to all the communities, six years actually, of talk. Because the difference between this brand or this product and many other is that we work directly with the indigenous communities that exist in the Amazon and that they are true guardians of the forest because they've been protecting it for the last maybe three, four, five, 10,000 years.
0: Okay. So that's where I had my misinformation. So you started the company five, six years ago, but in terms of actually being able to bring product to market, it was about 2020. Starting a company is hard, regardless of what industry you're in. I don't care what type of company it is. It's hard. Starting one where you're working with indigenous communities. And first of all, you probably had to build trust with them. You know, you live in the US, you're from Spain. I know that you speak the language, but you're not Peruvian, right? So How hard was that to gain trust of these indigenous communities to say to them, hey, listen, I have to explain this concept of regenerative agriculture to you in terms you can understand and explain how we're not taking advantage of you, but actually we are using this as an opportunity to create awareness around the most precious resource in our world while actually also using some of the bounty from the Amazon to help have people also live healthier, more fulsome lives. How did you do that?
1: as you say, is something unique. The product is unique, the fruits are unique, but also the method is unique because working directly with indigenous communities of the Amazon, of course, there is a big mistrust because of what is happening. Foreigners have been coming into the land and doing all types of things. They haven't getting any. When the oil industry, the mining industry comes...
0: Paper, mining, oil, extraction. People coming in, and extract, extract, extract. So you're coming in. What happens is they come in,
1: and they come in with all the machines and their experts. Because, of course, the indigenous communities don't know how to do this. So they have to bring people from outside to do this. And they just look in the backside, seeing what is going on here. Now, what, something that the indigenous communities know how to do is to collect the fruits from the Amazon and protect it and this is the key what was the relationship i come here to empower you i come here to learn from you i'm not going to teach you anything i want you to teach me how to conserve the amazon and how to collect the fruits from the jungle because you guys are the experts it's not the classical way that we have been colonizing for the last 500 years is here i am I am the Western person and I have the knowledge and I'm going to come and teach you how to do things. No, that was good in the Industrial Revolution. In the Industrial Revolution, you come and teach them how to be industrialized. But in the new natural revolution that we're experiencing right now, the people who know how to be in harmony with nature and how to protect it is the indigenous communities. So all we're doing is empowering them for them to do what they've always done collect the fruits of the jungle and protect its trees. How? By giving them revenue for doing that.
0: You have to excuse my ignorance here, but maybe 10% of my listeners are as ignorant as I am. Most of them are a lot smarter than me, but in a community where, is there revenue in that community? Is there dollars? How do you compensate them? I'm sure that they're not carrying around wallets. They don't have bank accounts. Or am I completely wrong about that?
1: The Industrial Revolution, carries with it the market economy. And the market economy is already in the jungle. There are, of course, some communities that haven't had contact. And those ones, we have to do not contact them, please. But most of the communities, they live in a market economy. They sell their goods. They receive money. They want to educate their children. And they want to have a
0: better future. So they have cell phones. They have devices. They have... There is no internet. You can't Venmo them for the fruit, right?
1: Yeah, that's the beauty. But yeah, they have TVs, they have cell phones, some of them. And when they go to the city, they connect themselves. They are connected and they want to have a better future.
0: So how do you compensate them for the fruit that they collect that's then used in your product?
1: This is the key. We pay them and we pay them a fair price. One price agreed with them the whole year round. This is very, very important because the big problem with this thing, like, for example, with the coffee Uh, plantations in Central America is that when there is very little, the price is here. When there is a lot, the price collapses. These communities, they plan for the future at a certain price, and then suddenly it collapses and they have no revenues.
0: Right, because it's a commodity. Uh So you're not treating this like a commodity. No. Got it.
1: Look, I'm going to trade directly with you. I'm going to pay you a price that we agree. And you know, this is going to be the price you have all year round. I'm not going to come here a few months later and tell you, oh, you know what, now it's another price. So they can plan for the future and they can get a revenue. It's wonderful because during the pandemic, everything was closed. We got this whole this protocol for them to continue to be able to sell us. this, And it was over 500 tons, for example, of Buriti. And we got for them in the peak of the pandemic and they could get this revenue. So they know they have now a revenue and a future By doing what they've always done, that is collect the fruits from the Amazon. Very important, without cutting the forest.
0: That's the regenerative agriculture. They're doing it in a sustainable way. My guess is that you coming in, establishing trust, being able to provide them with additional income that's fair and predictable, can be or has been transformative for some of these families.
1: It is. It's been very powerful for them. They feel empowered. Because, for example, the buriti is this beautiful palm tree. It's 30 meters tall. It can live for 100 years. But, of course, because it's 30 meters tall, the fruit is up there, 30 meters high. People were cutting the palm tree to get the fruit. Imagine, a 100-year-old palm tree, you cut it, no more. And there are male and females. It's amazing. It is 5 million hectares. It's twice the size of denmark. And they are the ones who know in what area is bearing fruit now, where it doesn't, and how to get there, how to climb it, because we give them these climbers that it takes them three minutes to go up the palm tree.
0: Which is more than 100 feet, right? Three feet, three inches per meters. I can't do the math, but it's well over 100 feet they're climbing to grab the fruit.
1: Yeah. They go with these climbers, with the harness and everything, and in three minutes, they're up there and they're down.
0: Have you done it yourself?
1: Yeah, it's quite an adventure. I mean, it's an amazing adventure. It's an imagine you're going to the top of the Amazon jungle. And it's very interesting because the Buriti palm tree is one of the four keystone species in the planet. Keystone species are species like corals that are basic for the sustenance of the whole place. 180 species of vertebrates live off the Buriti palm tree that's why it's so important to preserve it and we do it in a sustainable way because for example you have five hanging racimos we call it in spanish a thing of grapes how you call it um, a bunch a bunch if you have five bunches we take two and leave three if we have three we take one and leave two so they can reproduce and the rest of the animals can
0: live off it how did you come up with this idea
1: we talked to the ministry of environment Because Amarumayu is a company that comes from a mother company that is called Grupo Aje from Peru. And the owners of this company, they lived in the mountains of Peru when they grew up, and they lived with Pachamama. And now that we are in 28 countries, they said, we want to help Pachamama. Pachamama is the Quechua name for Mother Earth. We want to help Mother Earth. And they said, how? How? We need to protect the Amazon because the Amazon right now is been 17% deforested. If it reaches 20% and it's only 3% more, it will become an African savanna. This huge jungle will become an African savanna. So we said we need to protect it. We went to the Ministry of Environment in Peru and said, how can we help? And they said, it's very simple. The market economy is in the jungle. People do not cut and deforest the jungle because they're mean, or because they're ignorant. They do it because they believe that they're going to get better revenue by cutting the jungle than to keep it standing. So we need to give value to the standing trees. If we make drinks from the fruits that hang in these standing trees, then these forests are going to have a high value, and no one is going to cut them. No one goes to an apple orchard and decides to cut the apple trees to make fire. To go to the fireplace because my god the apples have value so that was the idea is what we call the green gold and we want to convince to the world that the progress in the amazon lays in the green gold not in the yellow gold or in the black gold
0: interesting and i like the way you juxtapose industrial versus natural revolution i think that's very well said the parent company you said it very quickly what is the name of the parent company and what do they do
1: we make drinks We are from Peru. Now we have presence in all these countries. The owners decided, we want to do a project, a new company that takes care of the land where we lived in, because they actually lived in the mountains of Peru.
0: And you already have the knowledge and the facilities to take the ingredients and turn them into drinks.
1: Yeah. And they had the expertise because they were raised there. They actually were, from very humble origins, they were selling their crops in the village. And they are high experts in these fruits, so they have the knowledge of how to make drinks and being successful.
0: How do I get my hands on these fruits? I know that you're distributing in the U.S. now, but one of them, I think you call it the apple. Is it buriti? Buriti,
1: yeah, buriti and cocona, and the other one is kamukamu. Camu. We yeah. have two drinks now, buriti and cocona, and Kamukamu, camu, and very soon to come also with acai. We're going to have an acai drink.
0: Yeah.
1: Right now, we are in the Amazon, so you can buy them in Amazon. So from the Amazon to Amazon. And very soon, the idea is to be in retail, too. We're going to have our own e-commerce, too, where you can get it from. And also, very soon, to have retail distribution.
0: The Burriti Cocona, that is a potential alternative to an orange juice, right? Because it's a very high in vitamins A and C.
1: That's the Camu, camu. It looks like an apple tree, the Camu, camu and it's also in wetlands because these are the major wetlands of the planet and these wetlands is where all the carbon deposits are and where all the biodiversity and the camu camu lives in these wetlands in the middle of the water during the rainy season and the camu camu is the fruit with highest percentage of vitamin C in the world the reason people drink orange juice and is the most consumed juice in the world is because of the vitamin C camu camu has 40 times more vitamin C than an orange and 60 times more than a lemon.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. One of these bottles have uh, 500% of the vitamin C you will need in a day. So that's why it's called a super fruit. See, in order to survive in the Amazon, you have to be very strong. For example, the buriti that you were mentioning not only has vitamin A, C, it has all type of minerals, also has omega-3, 6, and 9. All the omegas, all the antioxidants, and also it has female estrogens. So, for example, for women with menopause, they can also take a natural estrogen. That's why they call superfruits because everything is accumulated in, in one place.
0: So women who have been told to take cohosh, they can supplement and or potentially replace it or take the buriti cocona. Do these come in powders or are they liquids or both?
1: It is a juice. It's a drink. What we do is we harvested wild in the Amazon because it's a wild tree in protected areas. We have an agreement with the national parks of Peru because, of course, the difference between the national parks in Peru and the national parks in the U.S. is that in the U.S. there is nobody there. And you have the park rangers taking care of it. But the national parks in the Amazon, for example, one of the parks we're working in is Pacaya Samiria. It's 2.5 million hectares is twice the size of Denmark. To protect that, you have 80 park rangers. 80 people to protect twice the size of Denmark, impossible. So, but what happens is that inside of that protected area, you have the indigenous communities that they live there. They are the true guardians of the forest. If these communities that live in there, they get a revenue by collecting the fruits of these precious trees, they are not going to allow anybody to come in and cut their trees and invade their territory. They become the guardians of the national park.
0: That's incredible. I was just looking at your background, and 2009, you did this incredible pivot from you have an entertainment background, you're in the music industry, always marketing, which is good, that seems to be something that you're very good at. And then you're like, well, you know what, I'm going to, is it Aje, is that how you say their name? A-J-E, that's the parent company. And you went to become chief comms and sustainability officer for this amazing Peruvian company back in 2009. What was it that made that pivot? So many people are interested in pivoting to sustainability or roles that have sustainability in them. And you made that pivot a long time ago. Like now everybody's thinking about it. Back in 2009, that was pretty pioneering. How did you make that leap, that bridge to that role?
1: Apart from my business background, I am also been practicing SEM for the last 30 years. So I received transmission as a scent master from my teacher and from this monastery in Holland, actually, that is part of the White Plum Sangha, that is the Taishan Mysumi Rossi that founded Los Angeles Scent Center. And so he brought scent into the U.S. I became a teacher, and when I received transmission, I said, no more marketing. I want to create a sustainability department in AGE and work for function, for the good of the earth. See, in the Industrial Revolution, first of all, the Industrial Revolution turned humans into consumers. It's a horrible name, but everybody uses it like if it was normal. I am a consumer. What do you mean you are a consumer? So what happened? The Industrial Revolution turned humans into consumers, and what was the function of the consumer? To consume. And we consumed the goods of the earth. And now we are where we are right now. But in the Natural Revolution, We're humans. We are conscious users. And now we have a very different relationship with the things we consume. First of all, is this that I'm consuming good for me? Is it healthy? Is it going to protect me against illnesses? Number two, is it good for society? Number three, is it good for the environment? So we have a very different relationship to the things that we consume. In the Industrial Revolution, the companies were there to satisfy the needs of The consumer. But in the natural revolution, the companies are there to satisfy the needs of Mother Earth. So we decided to make AGE that because these new companies, they cannot come from the industrialized countries. Because in the industrialized countries, we have depleted our natural resources. They have to come from the biodiverse countries like Peru, like Colombia, like Venezuela, Ecuador, etc. In these countries now, in this new natural revolution, the companies have to be at the service of Mother Earth, and that is what our vision decided to be focused. And of course, what is that Mother Earth needs to do in Peru? Stop the deforestation of the Amazon.:
0: <laughs> I'm very curious about Zen. And is it called Zen Buddhism, or is it just called Zen?:
1: Yeah, Zen Buddhism. yeah.
0: Zen Buddhism. I have many friends who practice. None of my friends have achieved this master status like you have. I'm Jewish. I have many friends who are Jewish and also Buddhist. They call themselves Jewboos because there's a lot of crossover and similarity between Judaism and Buddhism. They're supportive of each other. I don't mean this to be an indelicate or a sensitive question, but was there a moment in your life where you said, I need something deeper, more spiritual, more grounding? How did you get into Zen Buddhism? And then make that part of who you are, your fabric, your being.
1: Zen actually is the Japanese word. Actually it's called Chan because it comes from China. And of course the origin is India. It's Sakyamuni Buddha. When Sakyamuni Buddha created Buddhism, it came to China through Bodhidharma in the fifth century and it became Chan. It got in contact with Taoism and with Confucianism and it was created what we call the Chan. And Chan got to Japan, and it's called Sen. And he also went to Korea because, of course, with the cultural revolution of Mao Zedong, it was wiped out of China. What came to the U.S. and Europe was the Japanese branch, and that's what we call Sen. How do I got involved in it is interesting. It's a call, you can call it. It's an inner voice that tells you that if you try to find your happiness out there, you're never going to be satisfied. There is something within you that has everything you need. And therefore, this inner voice says, look in. And I just followed that voice. Actually, I studied many things before that. In America, I was always fascinated by indigenous communities. I always thought they had something we don't have. And I investigated that. I investigated a lot of traditions. And due to karmic circumstances or dharmic circumstances, I got across with Zen. And I found it fascinating because it said, very simple, you have everything you need within you. You just have to find it. It's not based on externals. Now, once you discover your inner true nature, because see, we have two natures, the human nature and a true nature, we can call it, dharmataya. If you look at your human nature, it's very limited. No, we have two legs, we cannot fly, and of course... We're full of mistakes. It's normal. We're humans. We're limited. But if you think that's the only thing you have, you're always going to have a limited mind. When you discover your true nature, where that human nature arises from, you discover your unlimited potential. And that's what really fascinated me, to find my unlimited potential.
0: Is it a private practice? Is it a communal practice? How does it manifest itself?
1: It is both. This is the beauty. It's a very personal thing. When people say, what is Zen? Well, it's something we do. <laughs> it's a practice. It has a lot of variants, but it's based on a very crucial thing, that is Sassen, meditation. And that's a personal practice. You do that at home with yourself, but you also do it with a Sangha, with a community. It looks like it's very personal because you're sitting there looking at a wall or looking at and sitting in Sasen, you make your sitting meditation, but you do it also in a community. The energy, the Samadhi from everybody else also helps you in moving. And of course, it's very important to find a teacher. Like, for example, if you want to go to Mount Everest, yeah, you can climb it by yourself. No problem. If you've never done it, you could. But it helps to have a guy that has already gone there and he can tell you the shortcuts.
0: Right. One more question, and and it's all relative, it's all related, but what is the difference between meditating and then transcending? And is that a buzzword or is that real? Is that something that people do and pursue? And what's the difference between the two? I've heard different people talk about it. Some say they can never get to it and others have over the years said they can get to it. If you could explain that as well.
1: Well, of course, transcending is very simple. Transcending means going beyond what you know. Going beyond your conditioning. And reaching that, that is unconditioned, that is universal. It never dies and will never be born. It's pure physics. This is another thing I loved about Zen Buddhism. is the fact that it is an investigating practice. Don't believe anything I say. Clarify it by yourself. So. Yes, you can trust them, your human nature because it's always been there. Your true nature was there before you were born. It's gonna be there after you die. So of course you can reach it because it's not the secret that somebody else has out there. No, it's within you. So you can trust them. Now, when you trust them, this is what is important, you look first in, you discover your true nature, and then you project that into your world. Because what you realize is that when you discover your true nature, you discover that the whole universe is your body. And therefore, you transcend into the whole life. See, you think you are experiencing your life. See how absurd that is. So your life is not yours. It's something that is out there and you're experiencing. No, you are your life.
0: We're just a speck of dust yeah. relative to the universe in history.
1: You are the universe. And you are your life because your life includes the whole universe. So when you discover that you are the whole universe, you realize that understanding your true self is a work in progress because whatever you have in front of you is changing all the time. So this whole idea is, oh, I get enlightened and that's it. No, no, no. Enlightenment means you put light into your life. And when you put light into your life, you realize your life is changing all the time. And that whatever you have experienced until now is nothing. If you hold on to that experience, you're going to get stuck. So, if you want to experience what is happening in front of you right now, you better drop everything you have learned until now. Come completely fresh, completely reborn into this new experience. It's very interesting. There was a song by Texas, I think it was called. Everyone wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. The same thing. Everyone wants to get enlightened, but nobody wants to drop the self. Sorry, if you want to really experience your true self, you're going to have to drop your small self. And that's the process.
0: It's something I've been thinking about a lot, especially as I get older. We're similar ages, I think. But as I get older, I'm becoming far more aware of my surroundings, of the other. And it's funny because a lot of people, when they get older, they actually retreat, come into themselves, and they become very conservative. I'm actually becoming even, I've always been pretty progressive, I'm becoming more and more progressive and more cognizant and conscious, very in the moment. I don't know if it has to do with the pandemic because of racism and equality and justice, all these things converging, but I like the awakening and I also will continue to do good with it. And that's, I think, what you're talking about as well. So I appreciate that explanation. I guarantee you a lot of our listeners don't really understand what Zen is. It's clear that you're a very good teacher because you explained it in a way that's easy to understand and very practical.
1: Very simple. The fact is that it's to appreciate your life because this life that you're living is the whole universe. When you think that your life is just your little you and everything else is out there is your enemy then, of course, your life is very limited. When you discover your true potential, when you discover the energy of the present moment, when you discover how you have an unlimited potential, then you can become curious. And this is what is important. It's what you're talking about. The older you get, the more curious you become.
0: I don't see that in all my friends, unfortunately. That's the problem. And then I start to question, should I be friends with these people? Some of my friends listen to this podcast, so now they're probably wondering, are you talking about me? (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But that is so interesting. Last question on this, and you've been so generous with your time, but if someone wanted to get into a Zen practice, how do they do it? Where do they go? What's the first step?
1: Right now in the US, there is a lot of centers across America, a lot of them from the white plant, from my lineage. So there is a lot of places now where you can really contact and start practicing. But always very important, the key here is that once you receive instruction, you have to practice by yourself. Like life, right? Exactly. Nobody else can do it for you. Nobody else can live your life. And that's very interesting because a lot of people, they say, oh, you're a Zen teacher. Okay, I have these problems. Give me advice. How can I give you advice about your life? Life is not something to understand. Life is something to experience. You have to experience it. But when you realize your true potential, then you are not afraid of making mistakes. And you are not afraid of abandoning your comfort zone and discovering the unknown. What is the unknown? You, yourself. When you think you know who you are, you have a problem. Because we are a mystery.
0: Exactly. You might know your skills, you might know your expertise, and that's okay. That's good. But it's a false equivalent to say who you are is the same as what you do. Jorge, this has been so interesting. And when I hang up here, I'm actually going to go on Amazon to protect the Amazon. And I'm going to look for the Apple Buriti Cocona and the Apple and Camu Camu.
1: Yes, that's it.
0: And for our listeners, Camu Camus is with a C, C-A-M-U, C-A-M-U. And I'm going to order some. And I can't wait to try it.
1: Enjoy. it. It's wonderful. No preservatives and no added sugar. It's 100% juice and they are very tasty and good.
0: <laughs> I believe it. I'm very excited because I need a healthier replacement for those yerbos that I have that are just full of caffeine in my refrigerator. So this will be a much healthier alternative, I think. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jorge. And good luck to you. And thank you for all that you do. And thank you for your words of wisdom. I appreciate it. We appreciate you.
1: Thank you for having me here. This has been an episode of Brand On Purpose with Aaron Quitkin, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of companies, organizations, and people who make it their mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to our amazing production team, including Lindsay Hand, Dara Cawthron, Julie Strickland, and Nina Valdez. Learn more about our show and sponsorship opportunities at brandonpurpose.com. Learn more about our host at aaronquitkin.com.